0: Is it well with your soul, Lydia, seller of purple cloth in Philippi? Is it well with your soul now? And she would say, now that I have Jesus, it is well with my soul. Slave girl possessed by the demon, predicting the future, making great sums of money for those who own you. Is it well with your soul? It is now that the demon has been cast out. It is now well with my soul because I have Jesus. Jailer of Philippi, is it well with your soul? It has never been well with my soul until that day at 1 a.m. in the morning after the earthquake when I asked Paul and Silas, how can I have what you have? And they pointed me to Jesus. Is it well with your soul? Mike and Laura celebrating a third wedding anniversary. Is it well with your soul? Betty Navarro and family grieving the passing of Ray. Is it well with your soul? The Levon Rewe family, is it well with your soul? And each would say the same thing, I have Jesus, it is well with my soul. I will not reread what Pastor Shower read to you, those first 11 verses of Philippians 1. You will study it this week individually or in your small group, and you will hear it online or in this building who writes the letter to the church at Philippi, which had been in existence for 13 years. He began with the first Christian converts on the continent of Europe. She bore the name Lydia, who wrote the letter to the first Christian congregation established in Europe in the year 49 AD. And now, 13 years later, he is writing this letter from prison, who writes the letter. The one who had received great grace from God. The exterminator of Christians, turning into one of the greatest Christians that have ever lived on this earth. Uh, The Apostle Paul wrote the letter. And when he writes the letter, he includes Timothy's name. Why? Because they all knew Timothy. Why did they all know Timothy? Because he is only 16 or 17 years of age, when he went on that second missionary journey and he's standing there in Philippi and everyone is just wanting to hug the young man to death because they cannot believe that at such a young age he is on a missionary journey with Paul and Silas. He's not so young anymore. He was 17 at that time, now he's 30. This letter from the Apostle, It is of such incredible warmth and incredible joy. You can taste the warmth like a taste of your favorite food. You can smell the warmth coming from this letter, like walking into a kitchen on the first cool day of fall, smelling an apple pie baking in the oven. There is a warmth to virtually all of Paul's 13 letters, except for two of them. But there is no warmth like you find in this book. Why is that? Because it's the first church he established. They say that you never forget your first love. (laughs) You can be 70 or 80 years of age and you never forget your first love. This was Paul's first love next to Jesus Christ himself. It was his first church. Watching a baseball game the other day. And uh, some guy gets a single and then they take that ball and they throw it into the umpire and he rolls it into the dugout. Why? Because it's the first hit in the major leagues for that young ball player. This is Paul's first church. And Paul, this former high-ranking Pharisee hunting down Christians, He received the unmerited, undeserved favor of God, and on the road to Damascus, by the grace of God, he is transformed from being a servant of Satan to being a servant of the Most High God. And when he talks in the very first part of his letter, verse 2, when he says, grace and peace to you from God, he can never write those two words without thinking about his own life. So many letters, he starts that way, grace and peace to you. And he always thinks about what he used to be, the hunter down and exterminator of Christians. And by the grace of God, not only his life saved, but the life of every human being that he ever came across, establishing all these churches, writing all these letters, and each of them saved by the same grace that saved him. The Apostle Paul turns from a man of great anger and hatred towards the Christians into a man of enormous love. Galatians 5, 6, in Christ Jesus, there is neither circumcision nor uncircumcision. The only thing that matters is faith expressing itself in love. The transformation of the Apostle. That's why there's this deep connection. Here he is being transformed. And he wants to get to the work that God would have him do. And he sits, as we remember from last week, uh, he sits there saying, God, you transformed me on the road to Damascus. God, you allowed Barnabas, son of encouragement, To sneak sneak me into the apostles who didn't want to have anything to do with me. And they've taught me. And now I'm raring to go. I want to make up for all the years that are wasted. I'm raring to go, God. Let me go now. I'm going to go to Asia. I'm going to start my first church there. And God said, no, you're not going to Asia. He says, okay, I'm not going to Asia, but I'm going to go to Bithynia. I'm going to start the first church there. God said, no, you're not going to Bithynia. And I can see the Apostle Paul trying to control his temper, saying, God, where am I supposed to go? And that night, you remember from last week, he has a vision, he has a dream in the middle of the night, and there's a man in Macedonia, of which Philippi is the leading city. man in Macedonia says, Paul, come on over, we need you here. And he wakes up the next morning and he smiles at Silas and he smiles at Timothy. He says, get your bags packed. They say, where are we going? He said, we're going to Macedonia. They say, why are we going to Macedonia? And he said, I don't know for sure, but God just gave me a vision in the night. And they go to Macedonia. Macedonia. And there's Lydia. There's the demon-possessed slave girl. And there's the jailer. That's who God wants him to see. When he says grace and peace to you, I'm not talking about the congregation. He's talking about every individual that he knows in that congregation. When someone mentions Trinity Lutheran Church, I don't see a building. My mind can't wrap its arms around a building. I see faces. When you have a principal or a teacher and they talk about the school. They're not talking about the school. You can't wrap your arms around a school. You can wrap your arms around the individuals, the students. In the families. Pastor Schauer and I can wrap our arms around the individuals in this church. We've seen you in the best of times. the Weddings and the baptisms. We've seen you in the worst of times. The great griefs that come. Somewhere far down the road when I'm an old man. And I'm reminiscing about this congregation. It'll be your faces. And it'll be the circumstances in your life that I shall remember. That was the Apostle Paul. He's not thinking about the church. When he says, grace and peace to you, there is Lydia's face. And he smiles. I look at Lydia and I think of Zacchaeus 30 years earlier. Zacchaeus, a very wealthy man, Lydia, a very wealthy man, a woman. Zacchaeus, sitting up in a sycamore tree, Lydia's by the riverbank of the Gangrites River. Zacchaeus has all this wealth, he's empty inside, here comes Jesus, and he knows who it is. Lydia has all this wealth, and she knows God, she's so empty inside... Though she has all this wealth, she's so empty inside that she actually began, as a Gentile, to worship the God of the Jews. She worshipped Jehovah. But it wasn't until the Apostle Paul came to that riverbank, and here are these four ladies, and he begins to teach them about Jesus. And when she finds out about Jesus, her heart explodes. It's like the woman at Sychar as well. Jesus said, you have one drink of the living water that I have to offer. You'll never thirst again. That's the woman. By the riverbank. She takes one drink of the Lord Jesus Christ. And her life is transformed like that. You say, no, nah, it don't happen that quickly. Yeah, it does. Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus. Yes, it does. God didn't send him to school in Jerusalem for six months so he could be trained. Just like that. Jesus didn't say to the thief on the cross, hey man, I'm sorry, you really need to go into Jerusalem and study for about three months and then I can give you eternal life. you got to come down off the cross and go and study. He didn't say that. The woman in saw car as well needed no time. The woman Lydia needed no time. Zacchaeus when he said to Jesus uh, come to my house he left that house two hours later and the words coming out of his mouth no one could recognize because he said half of the wealth I have I'll give to the poor. And if I cheated any of you out of anything, I'll pay it back fourfold. What does Lydia do? The private woman with this great mansion, what does she do when Jesus enters her life? She says to Paul and Silas and Timothy, Come into my house. If you stay here six months, if you stay here five years... I'm going to cook for you. You're going to have a place to sleep. You won't have to worry about anything. So you can tell other people what you've just told me. The Lord Jesus Christ. And with her wealth. With her time, talents, and treasures. She opened up everything to any Christian. In Philippi, coming to my house for worship. And when it was time to build a church, it was her money and her lady friends and whatever that the jailer could give and whatever the 10 year old servant girl could give. But she was the lead. Lord, thank you for my time on this earth. Thank you for the talents I have as an entrepreneur. And thank you for the treasures you've given me. All of this money, I can now use it for your kingdom. And you better believe that there were other slave girls and slave boys who were terribly mistreated. And you better believe, as this servant girl, I envision becoming a member of that church I can envision her having things throughout the city. Shelters throughout the city with her money. Shelters throughout the city where people could come. Grace and peace to you, Lydia. And grace and peace to you, servant girl. Possessed. By that demon, your life a hell. The money, the people making money off you, their life heaven. And that demon in you, which controlled every aspect of your life. Grace of God, servant girl, and the demon is gone. And there you are. I envision her sitting right next to Lydia in that church, and I envision the tailor and his family sitting right next to the servant girl. They're all in the same pew. Lydia looking at the servant girl as her own daughter, and the jailer and his wife looking at the servant girl as one of the members of their family. It only happens in the Christian community that the rich and the poor, the male and the female, the Jew and the Greek, the slave and the free, It says in Revelation 7, we stand before the throne of God, every tribe, every nation, every tongue, every culture, standing in front of Him. And while we're on this earth, when we act justly, we treat everyone the same. We don't treat Lydia any better than we do the servant girl, because we're all the same. We don't treat the blue-collar worker, the jailer, any different than we do Lydia the servant girl. Because we're all the same. Act justly. Love mercy. Walk humbly with your God. I like the theme of the school uh, this year. It says we're all one. We're all one. And when Paul's writing to that church, he's seeing Lydia and the servant girl and the jailer all sitting in the same pew. And after the service, they're sharing coffee and donuts before they leave the place. And during the week, there's fellowship, a breaking of bread and prayers. Those three, we are all one. Finally, the jailer, What a life he led. If Lydia was imprisoned by her wealth, and if the servant girl was imprisoned by the demon, uh, what was the jailer imprisoned by? His working environment. Every single day he realizes if a prisoner escapes, they will torture him and they will kill him, and his wife will be without a husband, and his children will be without a father. And then if your job is to work in the environments, Of some of the most vicious people in the kingdom. And that's what he has to see and hear every single day. He was imprisoned by the environment of his life situation. At midnight that night, Paul and Silas, beaten half to death, they are singing. They are singing. And everyone else in the prison is awake because they hear him singing. And then after the amen of the last hymn, they sing the great earthquake. And the jailer, remember from last week, he's ready to harm himself. And Paul said, don't don't do it. We're all here. All 25 of us are still here. And the jailer says, I've seen two miracles in the last hour. I don't know how you could sing praises to your God when you're beaten half to death. And I don't know how your God has kept every prisoner right here in this building. But I want him. I want the God that you have. Tell me what I have to do. Remember I said conversion is just like that? Paul didn't say to him, Well, I'm gonna have a class for the next nine weeks. That'd be a good start. He didn't say that. He said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, Acts sixteen, thirty one, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. And he does. Like the thief on the cross, like Lydia, like the servant girl. He believes on the Lord Jesus Christ. What does he do at 2 a.m. in the morning? (laughs) Gets his wife up, gets his kids up. They're already up because of the earthquakes. Thank you. He says, come with me. And Paul and Silas in that prison, they baptize the jailer and his entire household. I know that God has touched your life. Are you and I like these three? Do you and I say, God, give me time on this earth You give me talents on this earth? You've given me treasures, paycheck on this earth. And I want to be like Lydia, I want to be like the serving girl, I want to be like the jailer. I want to use the time, the talents. I'm an engineer, I'm an artist, I'm an athlete, I'm a teacher, I'm a doctor, I'm a nurse. And you will put me in environments with others who have similar talents. I want to be your light in those places. Can you do that? Ask you that at least once a month. Can you do that as you head on out yonder? Can you do that? Thought about a lady in our congregation, Carol. She was in the hospital many, many years ago. The one in the bed next to her, that was in the days where you shared beds in the same hospital room. You don't anymore, thank goodness. There's a lady right in the bed next to her. And Carol would tell Lori about Jesus and about her faith and about the church. And I went in one day and I had devotion with Carol there in the hospital. And this gal, Lori, has been a member of our church for a long, long time. Why? Because Carol used her time in that hospital to use her talents to witness to a woman in the bed next to her. Time, talents, and treasures. How shall you use them? Closing word. He said to them 13 years after they had come into existence, he said, continue to grow in your love. Continue to grow in your knowledge, your discernment, your insight. Never stop growing. In every circumstance that ever comes into your life, I had one yesterday morning, Holy Cross, cemetery, Calumet City, Rich Dresser's brother being buried. I had an episode. Don't have time to share it now. You know it's going to pop up later. Grow in your knowledge of your Lord and Savior. Grow in your love for him and for others on this earth. Never stop growing. That was his final word in that section to these people. Never stop growing in your love, your understanding, and your discernment. God be with you on your studies this week. This section of Paul's letter to the church at Philippi. i going to get you up for a second as we pray. Heavenly Father, these three were imprisoned, and you came and gave them a drink of the Lord Jesus Christ, and their chains were broken. There's no one here this morning that doesn't battle some prison. Health, relationships, worried about children, financial matters. There's no one here that isn't imprisoned by something, fear or worry or shame or guilt or hatred or anger. The earthquake tore apart the prison walls. And you use that earthquake to bring the jailer to you in faith. May your spirit come and break down the walls of the things that imprison us. And when we break free by your grace, then we'll understand what Paul meant when he said, Grace and peace to you from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen.